0: no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
2: ready. Okay. you are listening to America's home for stadium news and information stadiums USA radio
0: once again with your ticket to the action
2: here's Bill Hazen <laughs> When we think of the New York Yankees, we think of money, we think of excellence. They've had plenty of both, although there have been lean years. The mid-1960s was such a time, broadcaster and writer David J. Halberstam shares the story of Red Barber's last broadcast at an empty Yankee stadium. What will the new Golden 1 Center in Sacramento be like? It's the new home of the Sacramento Kings, and SB Nation's Blake Ellington just finished the walkthrough. He'll tell us about this fabulous new arena. And Stadiums USA's Mark Medoran reviews the latest efforts to keep the Raiders
0: in Oakland.
2: But first, the stadium's beat with Jeff Schmidt. Jeff?
0: Well, NFL international football is back. Sunday's Colts-Jaguars contest is the 15th game to be played in London since the series began in 2007. The games have averaged slightly more than 83,000 fans, despite the involvement of less than marquee teams like the Jags, Buccaneers, Bills, Rams, and Lions. Bottom line for the NFL Just how many television eyes will be on the contest that kicks off 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time? Well, the ACC has announced that they are moving their football conference championship game to Orlando's Camping World Stadium. After six years of crowning a winner in Charlotte, the game will be decided in the shadow of Disney. The move is due to North Carolina's controversial bathroom bill law. The ACC follows earlier decisions by the NBA and NCAA in relocating games out of the state. Well, the Golden 1 Center, the new home of the Sacramento Kings, is taking technology to a whole new level. The new facility features smart turnstiles to speed up entry into the venue. It also includes a robust Wi-Fi system with enough bandwidth to support a stadium four times its size. And maybe the most noteworthy, it'll be the world's first arena to fully accommodate transgender fans. Yes, the venue includes 23 single-occupancy restrooms, specifically labeled all-gender but fans have the option to use one of the 54 multiple occupancy restrooms correlating to their gender identity. And Cleveland Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert is spreading the love. Still living off the fumes of the Cavs NBA championship, Gilbert is making sure everyone associated with the team gets a championship ring. The team will spend more than one million bucks in fitting full and part-time employees of Quicken Loans Arena with a ring. It won't be the exact rings given to the players and coaches. The diamond cut will be much different, but many are praising the generous move shining the light on the team's first title in more than 52 years. Bill, that's the very latest.
2: That is neat, Jeff. Thank you. Each week on Stadiums USA Radio, we look at some of the great stories that have taken place regarding stadiums. We're going to focus right now on such a day, September 22nd, 1966, and to rewind it very quickly before we get into it, this was a time when the New York Yankees were struggling at the gate, and they were having difficulties, a far cry from the three million fans that that they draw today. We're going to revisit that time with David J. Halberstam, writer, broadcaster, sports historian, former voice, radio voice of the Miami Heat. And we caught up with a wonderful article at Awful Announcing called Red Barber and the Empty Yankee Stadium. Many people have heard a little bit about the story of how Red Barber got in trouble, so to speak, due to what. What happened on this day, and never recovered. It turns out there's a lot more to it. Why don't you set the stage and the framework for this story? You have researched it and you found some rather fascinating things.
3: Yes, I did. Uh, delighted to be with you. Back in 1965, the Yankees finished twenty some odd games behind the American League champion Minnesota Twins, and by '66, it got quite worse. They actually finished last, the Yankees did, uh, in a 10-team American League. At the end of the 64 season, the Yankees fired their broadcaster, Mel Allen, an icon. They kept Red Barber, who had been with him since 1954. And when Allen was fired, he was replaced By Joe Garagiola, who had many years on air as a baseball announcer on the Today Show uh, on NBC. And uh, it was Garagiola, Phil Rizzuto, and Jerry Coleman, three ex-ball players, along with Red Barber. And Barber did not like the idea of the athletes overrunning the booth. He came from the old school, and uh, he might have been a little persnickety. He thought Mm. that uh, the way you approach a broadcast uh, should be uh, a way that is formula-oriented and a way that is rather absolute in preparation, and he didn't feel that these athletes were uh, very well prepared, and everything with red was preparation and execution. 1966, September, Uh, The Yankees had this mammoth stadium, and they were playing in a 65,000-seat stadium, and the Yankees were a bad ball club. And in the days leading to uh, September 22nd, there was a deluge of rain. In fact, it was the largest rainstorm New York had suffered in 33 years Mm -hmm. Uh, The Yankees had a game scheduled the day before the 22nd, meaning on the 21st with the White Sox. The game was rained out, and no one thought the game would be made up, and rain was forecast for the 22nd as well. But uh, they said, no, the, the game is on. So the game begins with few people knowing that the game was being played. It's before smartphones and and all the other contraptions. We can find out things immediately. And only 413 people appeared in that mammoth stadium. So Red, knowing the Yankees are going nowhere, he makes a decision that the lack of attendance, the empty stadium, is really the story not the game itself so the game begins he talks about it and then he asked the television director to have the cameras pan the empty stadium and the yankee broadcast director perry smith said no way Mm -hmm. there had been rumblings because barber didn't get along with Garagiola, and not that well with rizzuto either barber wanting to know his status for the coming season this contract was coming to an end the season had just a few games left he asked for a meeting With the new president of the Yankees, Michael Burke, who would later become president of Madison Square Garden, but at that time, CBS had just bought the Yankees. And uh, Barber meets with Michael Burke on the 26th of September, and uh, before he finishes his first cup of coffee at that breakfast meeting, he's told that uh, his contract will not be renewed. So Barber, his, his ego badly bruised, calls all the writers and tells them that he was fired, and sort of suggests that he was fired because his uh, integrity, his journalistic integrity, had been compromised. So the truth is that over the last 50 years, everyone has said that, yeah, Barbara got fired for insisting that the cameras pan the empty Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. Well, in fact, he just was not getting along in the booth with his booth mates Interesting to note that after the firing, Joe Garagiola was asked about it. And he said, ah, you know, Barber's making a big hollabaloo, big story about the uh, attendance. He just wants to appear sanctimonious. He says, heck, when I was on the air doing that game, I said there were more people at confession at (laughs) St. Patrick's this morning than there are at the ballpark. And Michael Burke didn't say a word to me. So there in the story... Uh, there was a lot to it. Uh, Barber was a, a tough, fastidious guy who insisted things go just his way.
2: As a part of your research on this, you uncovered something I found fascinating. Uh, you described in considerable detail how Barber actually dressed down a young Vin Scully. I was very fascinated with that aspect. Was there a little bit of holier-than-thou, perhaps as a part of the Red Barber makeup?
3: Yeah, there certainly was. I could tell you an interesting story about it. Um, I was in the sales and sales management business of broadcasting. In the early to mid-'80s, I had a trip down to Tallahassee because we were representing Florida State. I uh, suggested that if I can get a meeting... With Red Barber, who was in retirement there, Um, I would love to do it. So I get the call back saying, Red, will see you. Uh, We're on at 10 in the morning, and he'll give us 30 minutes. I said, great. We get over to his house. We start at 10 a.m., and just as I'm warming up and starting to really hit stride and ask him some good questions, Mm -hmm. it's 1030. He gets up out of his chair, and he says to me, Mr. Halberstam, thanks for coming. And that was that. The 30 minutes had ticked wow. away. As far as your, your comment about Scully, uh, he did give Ben a very tough time those, those first couple of years. Uh, he saw him drink a beer in the press room prior to the game and he dressed him down. And there were some other instances as well when Ben went on the air and said that uh, Willie Mays was the best player he ever saw after the game. Barbara said, who cares what you think? You're a young man. Mm-hmm. and And I guess Vin will admit to you that he learned a lot from Red, but it was painful. And Vin, for that matter, uh, that first year, uh, visited with Ernie Harwell, who quit, couldn't work with uh, Red when he was doing the Dodgers. We moved over and worked with Russ Hodges on the Giants, but Mm. Vin went over to Ernie's home up in Larchmont, New York, and complained to Ernie or just needed a a sounding board. And he told uh, Ernie about the the hardships he he was going through working with Red. So, yeah, Red was tough, but uh, a lot of good came of it for uh, a young protege in in Vin Scully.
2: David, it is wonderful to visit with you. Congratulations on your own success in the business, both at the microphone and in other areas. Same to you. Pleasure. David J. Halberstam, our guest. Stand by now. We're going to talk shop. Mark Medoran will join us after the break right here on SB Nation Radio.
0: How would you like to get all of your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out FanEssentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team, and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to. Each fan box comes packed full with amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan prices start at just $34.99. Visit fanessentials.net and use promo code STADIUM and check out for 30% off your first month. Visit fanessentials.net to get all of the essentials you need.
2: It is time to talk shop once again, and in steps Mark Medorn, the president and creator of the Stadiums USA website. Friends, we remind you that Stadiums USA is the nation's preeminent source for stadium information. Check it out at stadiumsusa.com. Here we go, Mark. NFL Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott is part of a group working on a stadium deal that would keep the Raiders in Oakland. They've been working on this, as you know, certainly for a while. We've been reporting on it, too. Up to this point, Ronnie's been silent on what is happening behind the scenes there in the East Bay Area. But this week, he spoke regarding efforts to keep the silver and black in Oakland. What did he reveal?
4: Well, Ronnie Lott, Bill, is the eternal optimist. <laughs> he believes that his investment group can still get something done regarding the Oakland location for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Lott claims he is in touch with political leaders and with Raiders owner Mark Davis. Lott and his partners, including Rodney Pete, the former Raider quarterback, have an agreement with the city and county to put their deal together and present it in 90 days. That 90-day period expires at the end of November. Mm -hmm. The city at this point has not been willing to finance any of the stadium project, and that may be a huge hurdle to try and jump. They have promised to improve the local infrastructure at the site to the tune of about $90 million. Ronnie Lott has expressed a strong interest in seeing the local stadium built. He emphasized that the economic impact is critically important to the area, and having a new stadium and a professional football team there uh, would only add to the area. One interesting note here, and it hits home for Stadiums USA, Mm -hmm. is that Ronnie Lott's comments about his youth. He talked about going to the LA Coliseum as a kid, and it changed his life. And what he said was, I had never seen anything like it, and it led me to believe what was possible. That's a perfect way to think about all the things we talk about on Stadiums USA.
2: Yeah. Now, Mark, there's another group that is not affiliated with Lott, and they're making a pitch to try and buy the land where the Coliseum sits. But it appears that deal is off the table. What can you tell us?
4: Well, a group of investors headed by Atlanta developer Egbert Perry has withdrawn their offer to purchase the land under the existing stadium. The withdrawal was prompted by Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff's denial of support of the offer. She refused to send it to the city council. It was thought that this group included Ronnie Lott, but we now understand he is not affiliated with this Egbert Perry group. Uh, there are also a couple of other investor groups that have expressed interest and are looking for discussions with Schaff and some of the other Oakland officials, but these are very preliminary discussions Also, note NFL executive Eric Grubman has been involved in discussing the local uh, Coliseum possibilities with politicians and business leaders, and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said this week that he still believes a solution for an Oakland stadium still exists. Mark, in an effort
2: to combat dwindling attendance, universities are popping the keg at college football stadiums across the country. Here's one we've been on for a couple of years now. Are beer sales helping to satisfy the fans' thirst for live football?
4: (laughs) Well, the jury's still out on whether beer sales in increased college football attendance. Mm -hmm. A study last year of 29 mid-major football programs really made no correlation between beer sales and attendance. But some university officials have said they feel attendance has improved because of beer sales. Now, although beer sales may not have improved the attendance numbers, it certainly has increased the numbers in the cash register. At Ohio State, some fans have objected to beer sales, stating that the concession stands are so busy, you have to wait in exceptionally long lines to get there, and that was never the case in the past. Mm -hmm. Beer sales are not going to go away. Most athletic directors point to beer sales as another component of a positive fan experience. They're going to provide additional revenue. I think it's just natural that beer sales are going to happen at the college level, and Whether that'll have any effect on attendance, we'll have to wait and see long term. A question for you
2: and our listeners, Mark, and I think we probably all had this. You're sitting at the ballpark, the baseball park, sitting in your seat, and a foul ball comes... Whizzing by you, you reach up, but you're unable to get it. And of course, you don't have a baseball mitt, and you say, Boy, I wish I brought my mitt. I would have made that catch. Well, the Atlanta Braves, do they have a solution for you? And tell us what that solution is.
4: Well, first, from age four, when I first started going to ballpark with my dad, Hmm. until about age 54, Uh, I had my glove with me at every game. (laughs) I was that guy sitting there with his glove on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, But the Atlanta Braves are trying out a new idea when they open SunTrust Park next season. And one of these is a unique idea to lend baseball gloves to fans so they can catch foul balls and home run balls uh, in their seats. Co-sponsored by baseball gear manufacturer Mizuno, the gloves will be on loan to fans during the game. And there'll be a number of different type of gloves you can have available to you. Maybe you want a catcher's mitt, or first baseman's glove or whatever. You can choose whatever glove you want, and then you can return it after the game. And then if fans decide, hey, I'd really like to buy this, I guess there's an opportunity to purchase a glove at the end of the game as well. So Hmm. the Braves are stepping out and trying something new at their new ballpark. All right, Mark, let's hop in the time
2: tunnel and go back and check out some significant stadium and ballpark events in history. What do you have this week in stadium history?
4: Well, this week in 1946, the Rams play their first game at the Los Angeles Coliseum. The team had moved there from Cleveland, and mm. now they're back at the Coliseum again this year. It's yeah. an interesting turn of events, is it not? <laughs> I'll this you. week in 1953, the St. Louis Browns play their final game at Sportsman's Park. It was their 100th loss of the season. The following season, they would play in Baltimore as the Orioles. And in this week in 1990, with a tear in my eye, the White Sox beat the Mariners in the final game at Old Comiskey Park.
2: Wow. Yeah, I remember.
4: And Bill, from our Stadiums USA quiz this week, located at stadiumsusa.com, here's our quiz question for you. All right. The Los Angeles Sports Arena is no longer. It's been demolished to make way for a new soccer stadium. This rock star played at the L.A. Sports Arena 35 times between 1980 and 2016. <laughs> he often referred to the venue as... The Dump That Jumps. (laughs) It was one of his favorite places to play. Can you name the rock star? Here's multiple choice. A, Eric Clapton. Yeah. B, Bob Dylan. Yeah. C, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Or D, Mick Jagger.
2: You know what? I listen to Stadiums USA, so I know the answer (laughs) to this. (laughs) So do most of our listeners, I think, because we had a long talk on this one. Bruce Springsteen is the answer. He loved playing in that building, Mark. He just loved it.
4: Good memories of the LA Sports Arena, Bill.
2: Well, you know, I did some NBA games out of there. The Clippers played in there for a time. When I worked out of there, it was in the expansion configuration. They were up to about 14,000. And brother, it was jammed in there, Mark. It was tight. They have, they were pushing the absolute limit on the place. It really was built to seat about 11. And uh, the lighting was okay, but boy, there were fans everywhere in there. It was about as close of an atmosphere as I can ever remember for the basketball broadcasting and everything else. It was a fine building to watch in, though the sight lines were good. Single deck Of course. So that uh, affected things. They could only do so much with it.
4: Unfortunately, the building outlived its usefulness.
2: Yeah, well, it got to the point, and of course, they couldn't retrofit it with skyboxes. You know, there really was uh, no point uh, beyond a certain point. They just couldn't do much. But
4: it not w- economically viable in today's world.
2: Yeah, that's it. But it was the toe in the water that got the Lakers out to L.A. and that got things rolling out there. It was the first major indoor arena. Well, Mark, as always, a pleasure, and we look forward to catching you next week. Enjoy a beautiful fall afternoon at carter finley stadium
4: in raleigh north carolina
2: oh my goodness you're going down deep in the bag for that one (laughs) (laughs) that's good mark sounds good i'll do it nc state football can't beat a fall afternoon there oh you better believe it gary Hahn, the broadcaster for nc state would agree with you on that one next up We'll talk about the Sacramento Kings, the new building that we referred to earlier in this segment. It's called the Golden One Center, and it's very, very exciting. We're going to learn more about it when we return here on SB Nation Radio. training camps are getting underway and there is a special excitement this year about what is happening in Sacramento because a brand new building is in the wings, the Golden One Center and this arena is going to be very special. We're going to find out all about it from Blake Ellington who covers the Kings for one of my favorite SB Nation's named sites, Town Royalty. They have to love that one and we welcome blake now who just recently earlier this week had a chance to uh take a look and join in the walkthrough of the new arena blake i'll bet you that was an awful lot of fun for you tell us what the experience was like
1: yeah i mean it's pretty amazing i mean and you have to understand where we're where we're coming from in sacramento here i mean since 1988 had the Arco Arena, which is now Sleep Train Arena, and over the last you know five to eight years, it's really begun to show its age. Uh, leaking roofs, you know the the visitors' locker room is like the size of the dorm room almost. I mean, <laughs> there, there's there's things about it, you know. There's whole rows of seats that were coming unhinged that I that I saw happen. So I mean, it it was definitely time. And there's a lot of great memories in that building, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, walking into this new building and you're, you're comparing it to what you were seeing at the old building. I mean, it's just amazing. You're, you've got this six to seven story hangar door that is the entrance that uh, opens and closes. So there's essentially an indoor outdoor uh, feeling for not only games, but, you know, if they want to have concerts there as well. There's a sky bridge that essentially connects the upper deck. So the upper level is in a U-shape, and when you get to the area where the entrance is, it's essentially just a bridge, and there's a bar there. And if you're, if you're standing on one side, you can just kind of stand there with a the drink and look down and see the court. And then if you turn around and look the other direction, you're looking out of the entrance, and out of that entrance is like a sweeping view of downtown Sacramento. The design of the building is very unique. Um, and I mean, The sight lines are pretty interesting, which I can get to in a bit. But, I mean, it's just, it is pretty amazing.
2: Blake, the architecture, as you have described it, is wonderful. It sounds fantastic. But I also understand that some of the plumbing, some of the stuff going on underneath that you wouldn't see, like uh, internet capability, Wi-Fi, all of the new bells and whistles to help uh, those who attend the games be able to enjoy it on their personal devices and all the interaction that's a part of that. I understand this building is going to be first rate. What did you learn about that?
1: Yeah, I I think the Kings have touted that uh, internet connectability is going to be something like 17,000 times faster than your basic internet that you have in your home. Hmm. Um, So I think anybody that has gone to any large professional sporting event today knows that if you want to get on your phone and share things from the games is pretty much impossible because the amount of people that are there. So I think the Kings have really tried to make it state of the art in that sense. There's a whole data center that they have, a 6,000 square foot data center with miles and miles of cables, and it has a whole core essentially they're kind of labeled the data center as like the living brain of the arena.
2: You know, this building tries to pay homage, as I understand it, to the city of Sacramento and to its past, and they've chosen a rather unusual way to do it. They've taken some of the signs that are associated with the city, some of the famous signs, and they have integrated them into a display area. It sounds fascinating. What have they done there?
1: Tower Records is, uh, has a rich tradition in Sacramento. uh you know, it originally started here. And so that what they've done is they've taken the the tower records. I'm not sure if it was the first sign or not, but they've taken it and they've put it up in the concourse. So I saw it yesterday and you're walking through the concourse and there's all of the, you know, the eateries and everything. And there it is hanging up right in the middle of the oh. concourse. So that's pretty cool. I mean, just yeah. to sort of incorporate the city's history. There's a handful of other signs, too, that aren't as well known as, as Tower, but many of the locals will recognize them.
2: You spoke to the sight lines a little earlier. Let's go ahead and dig into that a little bit. What, what about fan proximity here? How are the seats going to be and the skyboxes?
1: Where it really gets different is in the upper level. So the, the, building, the old building always been known for how loud it is. Sand. So they wanted to keep that environment and that experience uh, of the loudness in the building. So what I was told is they essentially made the upper level at a steeper grade than what it was before. And I definitely felt that. I went up there yesterday and I was walking up there and I immediately noticed how steep it felt. But what that means is is the fact that it is steep is that it's closer actually to the floor than you would be at the old, old arena. So while you're sitting higher, you're also sitting closer, so that's the what they're trying to do there is really put fans on top of the on top of the action, essentially to sort of push the noise down onto the floor.
2: Well, Blake, it sounds fantastic. Congratulations on being able to get there and see the uh, the walkthrough on this building. It's going to be I I just can't wait to see it on television. But it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful place, and should be some exciting basketball played in there as well. Dave Yeager and his staff, that's a very good coaching staff they've assembled, so hopefully the Kings will be in business. We want to wish you well, Blake. Continued success with Sacktown Royalty and uh I think he had a great topic here. So uh enjoy the season ahead. All right. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. Blake Ellington, our guest of SB Nation's Sacktown Royalty Blog. And that's our program for this week. Bill Hazen saying we hope you enjoyed it and inviting you to come back and join us again next week right here on Blog Talk Radio.